Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Back in the saddle again. We're back in the saddle again. Okay, Gene Autry, what's that all about? Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials. Ever think of hiring a copywriter? That's pretty good. Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release. This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, J-Lo. What do you think? Mm, maybe you should hire a copywriter. Cool that they're leading the sales race, though. That's good. Yeah, it's actually more than good. Because they were so dominant last year, we've earned more than our fair share of new Nissans. We have 40 Altimas available for March and 120 Rogues. Check out the huge selection of Nissans at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zap. They ship today. And welcome back to the show. This is the family. Tom and Catherine are off today. I'll be filling in. Supposed to be here last week, Andy. I have to apologize. Our family for Christmas unwrapped the worst stomach virus we've had in a decade. Oh, gosh. Stomach viruses are just... It was I know. the yeah, They're worst. pretty much the worst. And it started Christmas Eve, and it ended up on to New Almost Year's New Day. Almost New Year's Day. Wait, yeah. so when you have people... It's like 
sickness in your house it's like it starts with somebody mm-hmm. and then a day or two later somebody yes, else gets it that's how it it's like it lo- goes on forever well, <laughs> and, and uh, patient zero my son who came to visit us for christmas oh, he's the one that brought it he in. brought it in Perfect. and then we had to have the three of them stay with us yeah because they uh, can't go anywhere else right so then it, it just slowly moved through his son and wife and me and winnie and in jack and charlie and pacey and R- it was just oh. the worst Oh I didn't week. get much sleep because, like, the first night I had baby watch, the second night I had baby watch, he got sick on me. Oh, and then the next night after that, my youngest son had it and he Ooh. was up all night. So yeah, I was so just like <laughs> dealing with vomiting children. It was like the fountains of the Bellagio. It was all yeah. just going oh, off gosh. In orchestrated views. Uh, Jared Knott is our guest, and he has had numerous articles published in the Mensa Bulletin and in a graduate school textbooks. Also, oh, this. Uh, Talking about throwing up and diarrhea will yeah. be right up his alley. <laughs> right. we're, we're taking it right to the class from the get-go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, he's had articles and, and such published on subjects ranging from Supreme Court reform to Arctic exploration. He was a decorated combat infantry officer in Vietnam in the 1st Air Cavalry Division. In his civilian career, he has served as vice president of sales and marketing and marketing director in the home improvement industry. He's a father of five. He lives in the Atlanta area with his wife, Catherine. And we're here to talk about his new book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Change the World Forever. Jared, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you very much. It's good to be here. It sounds like I'm uh, joining kind of a rowdy bunch here. Yeah, well, you know, we're just, uh, we're all coming off of a week of silence, so we're uh, we're happy to be back doing something. Tiny blunders, big disasters. It doesn't sound like these were such tiny little blunders after all. Certainly, I guess that the first kickoff was not much, but then the rest just uh, snowballs quickly in a lot of these cases. Yes, in every case, whenever this mistake is made, at the time it's being made, the person making it uh, thinks of it as very unimportant, very minor, has no earthly idea the uh, catastrophic result is going to come as one domino hits another, 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 explodes into a huge, huge, a massive disaster at the end. What uh, what was the inspiration for you to, to pull all these stories into one place and, and present them as a new book? Yes, there was that old adage coming down from Benjamin Franklin, that been out there for centuries, that from one of the nail, the shoe was lost. For one of the shoe, the rider was lost. For one of the rider, the battle was lost. One of the battle, the empire was lost. The empire was lost all for one of a nail. And it's a nice old saying, so on and so forth, but how often does that really happen? A single tiny mistake causes an entire empire to collapse. You'll be amazed how often it happens over and over again. Well, and I like the fact that you, you refer to it in the public uh, the press release as the butterfly effect, and it really is. It's crazy how yes. just the beating yes. of the butterfly wings, which seems so inconsequential, can have much larger ramifications down the line. Let's let's hit up some of your favorite stories from the book. It's over 39 uh, different stories that, that uh, you definitely get deep into and flesh out in the book, but what are a couple of your, your favorite standouts? Yes, uh, one that was one of the very first ideas that I started putting the whole thing together was uh, the teaser goes like this. A, a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction, changed the outcome of the Vietnam War. The United States might very well have won, except for this single tiny mistake, which doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> Not at all. About? And it, uh, yeah, it has to do with the Watergate break-in. And when James McCord and the burglars were jimmying the lock from the parking garage into the Watergate complex, 
they were told to hold a striker on the door down in place with a single piece of tape in the vertical position so no one could see it walking down the hallway. Oh. So they made a mistake and they put it in a horizontal position. And this, by the way, is in the movie, the old movie, uh, All the President's Men. So they put it in a horizontal position so when Frank Wills, the night watchman, comes walking by, he sees the tape on the door. What was this tape on the door? And he calls the Washington, D.C. police. We got a break in. Uh, and they had to call him twice, by the way. And the rumor is, strong rumor, that they were going to send the uniform officer who was in duty on duty for that area, but he was intoxicated in a local bar and could not answer the call. <laughs> so they had to send the bum patrol instead. That's three officers uh, dressed up as hobos in a jalopy car. When they come to the Watergate complex, the lookout does not recognize them as police officers. They come in the building, they go and they arrest James McCord and the uh, burglars. Watergate begins one thing after another, after another, after another. Henry Kissinger gave an interview uh, about that same time. He was saying the plan was to go in, they knew that the North Vietnamese were going to be testing the treaty. The plan was to go in there and bomb them, daylight out of them again, to get them in compliance. They were so weak politically, they couldn't. South Vietnam collapses, the administration collapses, it all falls apart because of a single piece of tape turned several inches the wrong direction and a drunk cop. I love it. And then they get the three hobo-dressed cops, so it must truly look like the Keystone cops appearing for this uh, major arrest that would unfold and kind of cause unsettle and unease here in our country. Yeah, I, th I think in the movie, I think they have the uh, James Wills, uh, Frank Wells plays himself. I think the uh, police officers are actually playing themselves, so they were the real officers, so they got to be celebrities for their 15 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. It's a lot like uh, In Cold Blood, the Truman Capote movie. They filmed that in the actual town where the story took place. Mm -hmm. And they used a lot of the people that worked at the stores and the police force and, and everything. And they filmed the entire murders in the actual house where it took place as well. So it's interesting that uh, they kind of went the same way with all the president's men by, by involving the actual police that were part of the story. I did not know that about in cold blood. It's kind of spooky, but uh, yeah, it is. Well, yeah. Capote's okay. kind of a, was kind of a strange guy. Yeah. So, the concept that he wanted to film there. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah, have right. this butterfly effect that takes place from this, right? This it is one small mistake, something that could have shaped our future. But I'm just curious. In hindsight, Jared, do you think that this was an important mistake? Was this something that needed to happen to kind of show us the the seedy underside of, of politics and, and what was really going on in the world? Well, yes, there are, of course, a lot of seedy things happening out there underneath the surface that we don't hear about or just rumored, and we don't never really find out about them completely. Of course, they, what's happening with Miss uh, Maxwell and uh, Epstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, mm -hmm. that was extremely uh, seedy, and uh, of course, uh, with the whole big story, it's not in my book, but uh, there's a uh, coroner's that say that Epstein absolutely was murdered. He was strangled to death. He did not he did not uh, strangle himself or hang himself three foot off the floor in his uh, jail cell. Uh, that was uh, and why would he be murdered? Well, they uh, hush him up because he knew implications to a lot of very prominent people. Uh, and that's a just one example of things that are happening that we don't we never hear about. Sometimes 50 or 60 years later you hear about them, but at the time they just go undetected. And depending on who's in power, they sometimes go unprosecuted. Do a lot of these stories that you pull together into the book, were they stories that are, are public 
and the information's out there, but they've always downplayed it. They're more like a page 20 news story so that they don't show the blunders of what took place or the the small hiccups that altered the uh, the face of history, or have these played out in the headlines? Well, it's funny. Every single story is well-established in history. It's in the history books. It has all the documentation. It's just that I've put it together in a completely different context. I kind of turned the history on sideways, and I looked at it from a different angle, from it being the, the, the tiny mistake that had all these uh, consequences. But, uh, yeah, would you like uh, one or two more uh, examples? No, definitely. Go ahead. Yes, uh, this one is fairly recent. Uh, it's in modern times. Some of them go back to ancient times. But uh, the teaser is that a single document, poorly designed by one single clerk in one single county, changed the outcome of a presidential election and led directly to a major war. The war would not have taken place except for this single tiny mistake. And, uh, it has to do with the election down in uh, Florida, the 2000 presidential election. It was not the hanging chads, which got a lot of publicity, to your point. It's one that got a little bit of publicity, but most people don't know about it. And what happened was down in Palm Beach County, this very, very nice, intelligent lady was designing a ballot uh, with large print so that the older people down there could read it easily. And she designed it as a, uh, a ballot. It's called a butterfly ballot, a different context mm-hmm. for the right. word. But it had two pages, a left page and a right page, <clears throat> with a series of punch holes down the center. Al Gore's name was the number two name on the left page, but he was the number three punch hole. The number two punch hole belonged to Pat Buchanan on the right page. But in surrounding counties during the election, Pat Buchanan got maybe 100, 150 votes county. In this one county, he gets over 3,000 votes, and some of the uh, ballots were double punched. People would punch Pat Buchanan's name, but they realized they made a mistake, they'd punch Al Gore's name, and then there would be invalidated 5,000 invalidated ballots, and then the 3,000 that went to Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan himself said it was obviously the voters were confused. Well, Pat, uh, uh, Al Gore loses the state by like 456 votes. He would definitely have won the state by three, four, five, maybe 6,000 votes. He would have won Florida. He would have become president of the United States. He was adamantly opposed to the war in Iraq. The war would never have taken place. And he had this nice lady. I'm um, to say, we've all made mistakes worse than this. Hers just happened to come at a critical time. But they had her on one of the morning talk shows. They were saying to her, uh, people say you're responsible for this war. And she was in tears. Well, man, we appreciate the fact that you're crying, but we have 50,000 dead people and over $2 trillion down the drain because of a single tiny mistake. Well, first of all, what media would do that? That's horrific. Obviously, she wasn't like some nefarious underworld creature that's tried to, to, to create confusion. She was doing her very best, and although the outcome truly is there you know you could look away from your your uh, uh front of your car for a second and, and kill somebody in an accident and that was just a brief lapse in in judgment as well that can change the outcome of somebody's life but uh i'm just you know that that's tragic in itself that they would put that and hang that on her shoulders and then kind of parade her out there yes well sometimes you journalists uh, can be kind of cold-blooded hey don't look at me um, when you say it, that it is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I smile when I say that. I smile when I say that. But no, she was again a nice, intelligent lady. And I made mistakes worse than that. You made mistakes worse than that. It happened to come right at that critical point. And of course, the decision to go to war belongs with the president of the United States, which was George Bush, the son, uh, and uh, and the um, 
Condoleezza Rice and the others that made that decision, they're the ones that are primarily responsible. This was just one line of the little funny little tick in the chain of, of events that, that, that led up to the result. They're the ones that, that uh, should be held with that responsibility. But uh, anyway, very nice lady, and uh, I would guess uh, my sympathy is very much with her. Jared, why do you believe that they didn't, you know, now that they knew that that was the case, <clears throat> why didn't they do another voting stance in that state for that area, just that one area that was affected by the poorly crafted ballots? Yes, the courts were not willing to step across the line that a majority of people voting voted correctly, understood the ballot, but there was a significant minority uh, there was enough to make the difference in the election. So the uh, courts were uh, not willing to step across the line and put themselves in the shoes of the voters to try to change it. So even though the probability is, is very heavily there, it's just something they were unwilling to do. I don't know whether it was a partisanship thing or what it was, but they would not, uh, they would not uh, uh, go there. Was there any change that came after that that would affect it going forward if a mistake like that happened? Or has that kind of, you know, black cloud just remained in history and, and no changes to it. Yeah, well, that, that ballot is never really used again. We learned that lesson. That was a, a, a sad, ugly thing. That's uh, using ballots that are, uh, of course, are much easier to read and less likely to be confusing. That would, and Because each county could divide, uh, it could design its own ballot, that one slipped through and was, uh, of course, a, a disaster. And that's just a, a, a tiny mistake. I'll, I'll uh, kind of associate over the concept of the um, butterfly ballad uh, comes from a mathematician. His name was, was uh, Professor Lorenz, and he uh, was one of the leading uh, mathematicians back in the 1950s and 60s. He's one of the creators of chaos theory, and they do not give a Nobel Prize for mathematics, but they, the equivalent prizes were given to him, very outstanding uh, gentleman. And he was, uh, back in the 1950s, he was running a, a computer program there was a number with a decimal and then like 18 numbers behind it. It goes to an infinitesimally small kind of number there towards the end. It was taking a long time for the computers of the day to run the program, which he was, uh, it couldn't make much difference. Uh, let me lob off five or six of these numbers at the end, just make it a decimal point with 12 numbers. They'll run faster, and uh, the other things would speed up quite a bit. When he did that, he was amazed. It was a, uh, a meteorological program, a weather prediction program, he was amazed the difference it made in the end, just the small numbers being taken out of the formula. And so he then came up with the concept. He presented it to a, uh, a, a large convention, and he's going to coin the phrase. That would mean that a, a tiny little uh, tick in the early line of a progression, uh, for example, if a butterfly were to flap its wings down in Brazil, uh, a year and a half later they could lead to, lead to a cyclone in the state of Texas. Well, that was a, a slight overstatement. It's the basic idea that there's a domino effect. One thing can hit another, can hit another. You can multiply, can multiply, can multiply, and here's this catastrophe at the end. And that's where the uh, concept comes from, and it certainly applies in history, uh, as in my book, Time and Time Again. Before we jump on to, to one of the last stories here to cover, I'm, I'm just curious, Jared, you're a lot more uh, learned than I am in this case, but do you think that it would have made a difference if, if Al Gore had taken over as the president at that point, do you believe that the war would have been averted? Or if we buy into the conspiracy theory that there's a lot of money to be made in wartime, it would have happened anyway? No, he was adamantly 
adamantly opposed to the war. He was making this ugly, uh, uh, very angry speech. He was talking about uh, George Bush. He betrayed this country. He betrayed this country. He was opposed to it. Now, Hillary Clinton and John Kerry were in favor of the war back then. It looked like the thing to do. Uh, but he was opposed. It would not. If he were president, the war would not have uh, taken place. Um, so that's uh, it's a kind of thing you might I'll pretty associated with that. Yeah, but Why you, is it that we went to war? Go ahead. George Bush Sr. was but, adamantly was against new taxes. If you recall, no new taxes, read my lips, and then immediately put in new taxes. Right. So, uh, you know, are, well, yeah, they all seem to right. be speaking I'm, out of the corner of their mouth. Well, you're right. He could have changed his mind, but he was, I mean, the speech he gave was uh, ugly, just yelling and screaming. He betrayed this country, betrayed this country. He was adamantly opposed, even though John Kerry and uh, Hillary Clinton, fellow Democrats, were in favor of it. So he might have changed his mind, but I would think, I think he was um, opposed and would have stayed opposed. Of course, you never know for sure. I'm no particular fan of Al Gore, but in this one case, he was he was correct. Al, free associated to the question of why did we uh, go to war in the first place, which now I think both Republicans and Democrats uh, view it as having been a big, big mistake. By the way, the 9-11 Commission said the decision to go to war against Iraq was an example of a groupthink, and that and it was uh, named as a, as a blunder, a major blunder. Now, there's an old saying that generals are always fighting the last war. They're taking the wisdom that would have applied in the previous war and applying it to the current circumstance. Well, 9-11, there was warnings that 9-11 was coming. There were warnings of there were dots there that should have been connected, and we should have, uh, the intelligence community should have been doing a better job. They should have seen that uh, and anticipated that attack, not get blowing up in, uh, the uh, Twin Towers in New York. Well, that was a mistake they made before. They were not preemptive enough. They were not alert enough. Well, we're not going to make that mistake again. We've got Saddam Hussein, who has supposedly these weapons of mass destruction, he was trying to pretend as though his nuclear program was better developed than it was, kind of intimidate his neighbors. Okay, he's a, yeah, we can connect the dots. He's got these weapons of mass destruction, both the chemical uh, weapons and also the nuclear program he's developing. We're not going to make the same mistake we made last time. We'll go in there and be very preemptive, and we'll just, uh, just neutralize the situation before it can uh, it turn much worse. Well, they get in there, and it turns out the nuclear program was extremely primitive. Uh, also, the uh, only uh, chemical weapons they had were the ones that were old, so 10, uh, 15 years earlier. We'd sold them that were kind of in deteriorated condition. Uh, there was no justification, as the 11 Commission pointed out, uh, to going to war. Uh, that the concept had gone through unchallenged, uh, example of groupthink, and it was just one great big blunder. Crazy. We've got uh, time for one quick story before we wrap up. And again, we're talking with our guest, Jared Knott, his book, Tiny Blunders. Big disasters, 39 tiny mistakes that changed the world forever. What do you want to go out with? Yes, uh, here's one from ancient times. And uh, the keys are there is uh, a helmet is actually kicked off of a wall by a clumsy soldier, and it causes an empire to collapse. <laughs> you know, what? what? How in the world is that possible? It had to do with Cyrus the Great. Okay, he's mentioned in the Bible. He's the one that uh, gave the uh, children of Israel their, their freedom from the, uh, captivity in Babylon. And he was in a war with uh, Croesus, from the expression, which is Croesus. And they were battling. They fought this uh, war, uh, battle. Okay, they kind of fought to a standstill. And so then uh, uh, Cyrus the Great takes his troops and puts them on his ships and sails away. 
well, okay. Uh, he says, well, we won the battle. The Spartans were there helping him. Okay, I guess we won the battle. So then the Spartans leave, okay? And then, uh, however, they don't call him, they did not call him Cyrus the Great for nothing. But about a week or ten days later, he turns around and he comes back. Now the Spartans are gone and the battle is engaged once again. But winter is coming. It's not clear who's going to win. And then here came this tiny mistake. A soldier up on top of the wall accidentally kicks his helmet off the top of the wall. It was coming down the side of the wall all the way down to the bottom. The soldier gets off the top of the wall, climbs down a pathway down the side of the wall all the way to the bottom, gets his helmet, walks all the way back up. And one of Cyrus's men sees it. Hey, look, 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 look. There's a pathway up the side of the wall. It's supposed to be considered an impregnable fortress of Sardos. Well, anyway, the next night, they had a raiding party. They climbed up that same pathway, goes over the top of the wall, goes over there and forces the gates open. Cyrus's army is waiting on the other side of the gates to come flooding into the city, conquer uh, Sardos, uh, conquer uh, Lydia, all because one soldier was a little bit clumsy with his feet. Unbelievable. The world is a fragile, fragile place. It doesn't take much to send people off. It seems a lot of it has to do with war in, our, in, in these instances. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. War is a pivotal thing that determines the fate of nations, unfortunately. Uh, it's, uh, politics and war makes uh, makes a big difference. It sure does. Crazy stuff. Jared Knott, thank you so much for stopping by. The book, again, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. Jared, we appreciate you dropping by today. Yes, also, people can go to tinyblundersbigdisasters.com, tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. At my website there, there's two and a half free chapters there. I'm running a special this week. You have to download uh, for a dollar ninety nine cents. Wow, great deal! I like two and a half chapters. You are an ultimate tease, Jared. <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, uh, we'll we'll talk to you again tease. soon. Thank you for stopping by. Stay tuned. We've got more with the family right after this. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Visit BloomingtonBoatShow.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy, and that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets 
at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Welcome back to the family. Tom Bernard is off. He'll be back tomorrow as will Catherine. Maybe. Is Catherine back tomorrow? She should uh, yeah, be. I think so. I don't want to speak out of turn. She should be, as long as they don't Actually, if they got COVID, they could still do the show. Or if, yeah, well, Dad well, already had it. Well, what would it I matter? cannot even tell you how many people I know in the last week that have had COVID or I know, tested it's... positive for COVID. Like 10 people in I know, the last it's, week. It's, it's no longer <clears throat> if, but when you're going to get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. But I will say, everyone that I know that's got it, vaccinated or not, it seems to be quick. Apparently, it's this like three new days. variant is like nothing. Or like, it's like one bad day. Yeah. Like really bad day. And it's like fatigue, headache, mm-hmm. some body aches, and then that's it. Are you talking like, about the Omicron? Yeah, it seems Omicron. like that's yep. where yeah. we're at right now. Because it does seem really different than Delta. Because the people that I knew that got Delta, it was like, ugh, well, I know no thank you. The kids, the high school kids in our in our home, they had the schools gave them COVID tests to take before they came back from break. Okay, yeah, I know some schools are doing that, So. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming we're going to have a surge since the holidays yeah. and all the traveling and getting together. Yeah. Um, so that might be why you're starting to see a lot of people after Christmas starting mm-hmm. to come down with COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with Dave. I was to the point where it's not a matter of if, it's when you're going to get it. Yeah. Well, everybody says, well, not everybody, but a lot of people say that since it's a coronavirus, like the common cold is a coronavirus, it's like... Alpha is going to be the worst, and mm-hmm. then Delta, and then the more Generally, variants there it works, yeah. are, it'll just end up being like another common cold, and yeah. then no one will even know what the difference is. Mm-hmm. So it's like Pretty the more much, it yeah. changes, the weaker it'll get. So, yeah, it'll, it's like if you can survive another variant or two, it may not be <laughs> that big of a deal. All right, everybody, let's agree no licking a bat's ass yeah. in the next <laughs> tra- yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Let's yeah. just all stay Give clear of eating go. weird shit, right? No uh, monkey brains. No. God, I'm only 35, and I can, I can recall, like, you know, five supposedly world-ending pandemics. Right. Yeah. None of them really went anywhere except for this one. This one's the one that stuck. Swine <laughs> flu, bird flu, yeah, H1N1, Ebola, which, um, yeah, there yeah. was... Mar- uh, SARS. 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 Yep. Which I found out that my father-in-law was the first person in America to successfully treat SARS-CoV-1. I wow. did not know that. One dose Where of is he now? Is <laughs> Where, is Where is he, he now? now? He is... In his apartment. You know what's up? Uh, <laughs> he's retired. By himself. Sorry, Talking about retired. weird conspiratorial ideas. Oh my god, I love conspiracy theories so, so much. I've got right. Check this Please out. You're me. gonna love this. Please tell me. So during during the pandemic, right? The world is engaged with the idea that we're all gonna die. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, they're shooting out press releases about UFOs and government basically admitting, yeah, there's UFOs. Yeah. We, yeah. we can't explain true. them. Yeah. Here's here's something weird. So the uh, coronavirus, right? Yep. The UFO that crashed in Roswell actually crashed in Corona, New Mexico. Okay. Now the new variant is called Omicron, and there was a movie called mm-hmm. Omicron, which is about aliens invading Earth, and this this rampant uh, uh, virus that started to take over. Oh my God. I'm starting to see some weird trends <laughs> like here. There's... I think that movie was like 1967 or something, yeah. like that, the year you were born. Or so, uh, oh, you're late. trying to put the blame on me? <laughs> no, oh no, my no. Gosh. <laughs> yes, it's nice your fault. work, Dave. God. <laughs> you were yeah. born, and all hell broke loose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
That, that's about right. <laughs> that's pretty I much can't even what deny happened. it at this point. Antichrist has arrived. Yep, that's here true. he is. Who knew it was going to be a bald, fat, white guy from Minnesota? <laughs> I mean... A Louisiana man busted early for uh, allegedly trying to enter a neighbor's apartment at 2 a.m. Explain to police... Why do you believe? I'm just going to throw this out to you guys before we even get to why he decided to go into this other person's apartment. What what would possibly cause a man? What would rationale would he have that he should enter this person's home? To borrow a cup of sugar. Okay, good answer. I'm guessing he didn't go out right and say, I need copper to sell the buy meth. No, no, <laughs> no. That's he probably the real clean reason. pair of underwear. Clean pair. Those are all good choices. No, it turns out that a giant snake told him to open the victim's door oh. and okay, just go that inside. Makes, that makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. On a related note, Jesse Terry, 52, also reportedly told arresting officers that he had smoked crack earlier that oh, hour. Oh, there it is. Okay. So there's that. <laughs> shocking. I see That's a correlation. Yeah. Could be crack <laughs> and giants. Hey, uh, why don't we go on in that apartment? <laughs> Sounds like a good deal to I me. I feel like if you're going to do crack, just like don't follow along with anything that. With talking animals. Weird stuff that no happens. No matter it's what anyone tells you, just say no. Just, just sit back like, and nope. enjoy yeah, it. Just, just like just relax. Just sit back and enjoy it. What if the snake gets really mad? <laughs> I really want to go in that apartment. Just Come be on, like, Harry. cool it, bro. Well, technically, <laughs> if you were the devil, uh-huh. wouldn't you appear to drug addicts because then no one would believe them? Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. They, he's yeah. the Lord of Lies, so he oh, thinks well, about these things. Well, there's this whole kind of a conspiracy theory about how people on drugs are like they're, you know, perceiving the, other dimensions. Yeah, they and remove stuff. the veil and all that I stuff. I did. And like, I did hey, an man. ayahuasca journey a year and a half ago. Okay. And a good friend of mine at the time had convinced me to try this, and it was not the nasty poop and puking ayahuasca. Yeah, like right? get it. This was this was more <laughs> cultured. So soul. it was a piece of chocolate you just let melt on your tongue, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you're tripping the light. Fantastic. All of a sudden. Yeah, it's oh, like you're, I, I'm like there. Right. I'm just, you know, it's like I put the chocolate in. We're chatting for a few minutes. All of a sudden, the world just kind of goes. Okay. And See, then I'm in nope. a different universe. But it was I'd so. I will say this, truly amazing. Had one of the greatest experiences of my life, although I did kneel before a towel Virgin Mary. Great. So great I, and great. I'm not Catholic, but I, I turned around in the bathroom and there was a towel hanging over the top. Oh, and so then you weren't one like in the down. wilderness? You were just no, like in a we hotel, were in a room, hotel or room or something? Yeah, oh, okay. I'm very uh, bougie when it comes to my tripping. To got it, got it, got it, got it. And uh, I turned and looked at it and I remember thinking, there's uh, towels. And then I heard, it's the Virgin Mary. So I dropped to my knees, as one should do. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, yeah she's and, there. Catholic or not. What's funny is I'm like, I'm having this conscious discussion, two voices in my head going, it's towels. And the other one going, yeah, but the Virgin Mary is trying to get your attention. And it all made logical sense. So I had this conversation, but it was, it was amazing. And lifting the veil, I don't know how else to explain the weird stuff that happened. I heard things, saw things. It was great. Not at any point did they tell me I should break into the neighbor's apartment. Yeah, there was no giant snake no. telling you. No, and at no point did it see much better than weed because I had no hunger. <laughs> when I'm smoking God's green herb, all I want to do is eat. Eat, yeah. Um, but uh, no, this was this was really interesting yeah it was fantastic See, if you ever get the chance to eat the non-pooping never, pooping puking never. version nope. how do you tell the difference i'd end up in a psych ward for the rest of my life well, a lot of these no places you have to go to like uh well they, they do them here in the united states too but it's very underground um mm. but a lot of people go over to mexico or yeah 
Venezuela. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm not going to Venezuela for anything to be no, in a little you. thatched hut and take drugs with a no, bunch of strangers I don't know. Doesn't sound like a positive experience. No, not at all. <laughs> because, like, some of them mix their spit with it mm. to, mm. you know, really get you up. They, they chew this root and I don't know. It's crazy. I can chew it myself. Thank you. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Just give me the root. Just give me the root. Actually, I'll there, do it. There's a few uh, I don't know, gurus or whatever you call in the United States here who have, who have factored in all the things that you need without the nasty repercussions. So it was, uh, it was truly, I have always been afraid growing up. I had a heart problem. I still do. But you know, my doctor told me stay away from accelerants, things like cocaine, things yeah. that are going to get your, your mm. blood pumping mm -hmm. and, and elevated. And then I had such an overwhelming fear of death and snakes that I figured I'm going to stay as far away from hallucinogens as I can. Okay. The closest thing I had to hallucinogens was at my buddy's party. I'm smoking a joint, which had this weird bitter aftertaste. And he tells me, yeah, we dipped it in Windex and let it dry. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why Windex? <laughs> and then as I'm dancing with my girlfriend, her face starts to morph into a demon. Okay. And I cock back my fist and my my, oh. my buddy's brother grabbed me and pulled oh me off. God. He goes, what are you doing? And I go, don't you see the demon, the demon? And they're like, oh, God, the Windex hit. And they dragged me into another room <laughs> and had to, like, Windex. sit on me for half an hour till I came down. And I'm like, I'm staying away yeah, from that. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds terrible. I can't even take DayQuil, so I'm going to avoid <laughs> Any, that yeah. at all costs. Yeah, like, I Instantly can, start robo-tripping? No, I just, like, I get... I. Once tried to take something out of the oven without oven mitts on when I had day oh, wow. I like I can't cook or be near <laughs> like I dumped a whole box of rice into the garbage instead of into the pot of boiling water once when I was on Robitus and I think that was okay. I can't take yeah I am like the most sensitive to any I took one eighth of the dosage of CBD one time and I was so tired that I cried. <laughs> One eighth, One eighth of CBD. So wow. basically, if you have to take any type of over-the-counter medication, we I just need to wrap you up in like, a blanket, I, seriously, put you on the couch. I'm like afraid of any pharmaceutical <laughs> anything or any drug of although, any kind. Although, if you are thinking about doing ayahuasca, you do have to be careful with medications that you do take, like especially oh, antidepressants, sure. yeah. because mm -hmm. oh, God, it can yeah. cause seizures. And oh stuff like God! That. Why don't you go rain on someone else's no, parade? Poly. Hey, I'm, it's a full service thing. You have to be aware. I could list all the yeah. side effects, like well, commercials. And if you're you not have... even supposed to drink alcohol if you're on antidepressants. Yeah. yeah, technically you're not. Well, and if you're, you know, like Andy and me, and we have the potential to be schizophrenic, you shouldn't do it either. Mm. Yeah. That is true. That's you that guys. Could... Never living up to your potential. Yep. Well, I they... could be schizophrenic right now if not for everyone stopping me. <laughs> if not for avoiding Don't let ayahuasca. these people hold you back. Fly free, little butterfly. Well, do do the do hallucinogens, it. do they, like, trigger the... Yeah. They're known to, yeah. If oh, you have, like, the okay. correct gene or who knows what it yeah, is. Apparently yeah. a lot of people, though, if they've got that, like, lurking beneath the surface, they take some LSD or whatever and mm -hmm. that's it. And it flips Schizo the switch. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, so, yeah, LSD can do it. Uh, traumatic experience can do it. Mm -hmm. um, alcoholism sometimes, not as much, though. But, yeah, any sort of hallucinogenic. I actually read a really interesting book in college. The history class that I took in college was the history of mental illness. Mm -hmm. and not a pretty history. It was not a pretty history. <laughs> but it was a really interesting class because it's like as somebody who has a grandfather that had schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I never met him. But um, no, I've always did. been very interested in mental illness and all of that. <clears throat> and um, Dave, I, Officer Dave says you should be in a psych ward anyway. I agree. <laughs> 
Especially if I'm going to take it sounds Dayquil. sounds like a nice, safe place to <laughs> be. Sounds, sounds, yeah. If, as long as it's one of those really nice ones with like a spa. <laughs> See, I just yeah. spent the entire night unable to sleep having forensic files in the background. I'm just hearing that at some point Andy's going to try to wipe you out by like spiking your water with NyQuil or Dayquil. <laughs> he might. Yeah. I'll mm. give you a quarter of a dose. The yeah. Bernard riches we'll will all be mine. <laughs> You're up on top of the roof of the building. Yeah. I can fly, Andy. Yes, yeah. you can. That's yeah. right. All because of the Dayquil. What is she on? Dayquil. Yeah. Dayquil. Well, that's what mom, mom said like a couple weeks ago. It's like the first day she has a cold, yeah, she, she takes Dayquil and she like, like feels all nice. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's called robo-tripping. That's what that is. <laughs> well, and she, I have never, I, I can drink all the Dayquil I want and nothing happens. Well, and that's like I can't drink coffee. I can't. I'm getting like, there. I'm so sensitive to every. I, so I had a spinal block once, not when I had my kids, but they were like, "Oh, you're gonna be numb from your waist down for three hours." I think it was, and I was numb from the neck down <laughs> for seven. Overachiever. And I, ha- I was having like my arms were like spasming. having spasming because my nerves were all whacked, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm like, I can't. No, that's why I had my kids in a tub. Because yep. I was like, I can't have any Wait, sort I can't of follow medicine the ma- forever. I can't follow the math. That's because why the spinal block. Because if like you know, people uh-huh. do take all sorts of drugs when they right. have kids, and I'm like, no, because I don't want to be pushing a kid out of me and then have some sort of thing go haywire. Yeah. Nope. In I a had tub, an I go. Girl with my last one, and it was fabulous. I see, and so many people love them, but nope, I would have been like convulsing all over the place. No, my no, first two help. were natural because I didn't have time. They, they're like, oh, you're you're too. That's how Melissa was. Oh, I was yeah, like, that's... oh, by the way, it's time. It's yeah, like, you can't you oh. can't yeah, have anything for a right now. Because <laughs> I would go from like as soon as my contractions start, they were out in two hours. Yeah, yeah. well, that's so, like yeah, that's my my kids. I just like in my house and randomly it's like the baby's coming right now mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. with max he was breached so they had to flip oh. him oh. that was painful oh, i wish yeah. i had the epidural for that external version yes version or that whatever. was the yeah. brutal Oof. part Oof. but once they got him flipped i told the nurse i'm like get the anesthesiologist up here now she's like you're only in a four i said yeah by the time he gets up here i'll be a six Sure enough, I was, and he yeah. gave me an epidural, and I just loved it. I just My son, loved it. Nathan, uh, his mom wanted the epidural. So they, they whacked her up with the epidural, but she was legitimately paralyzed from the waist down. So she could not push. So the nurse <laughs> oh. and I had to lift her legs up and push her oh, legs God. against her chest. No. And I'm like, push, push. She goes, I am pushing. Oh, and nothing was happening. The doctor <laughs> walks in and he goes, where are we? And the nurse just kind of looks at her and shakes her head. And I'm like, oh, is that a bad sign? And he looks down there. And this was the funniest thing. He goes, oh, for fuck's sake. And he grabs like this suction cup, yep. rams no. it in her and goes, yep. and out oh, comes a baby. God. And then he goes, it's a boy. And he walks out of the room. <laughs> oh, so then okay. my, my kid, That's right? An experience. It, I've got this video. It's so great. His whole trunk is pure white. His arms are pink, and his head is purple from having been extracted, and it's coned. Now, out in the lobby are her brother and sister-in-law and their three perfect children that were all born cesarean, so they all came out pink and perfect. And I come out, and I'm looking at the baby, and I'm going, he's so beautiful. And my ex-wife is staring at him out of the corner of her eye, like, what have I given birth to? (laughs) And I take him out in the hall, and the, the family's out there, and they're like, oh. 
look at him. <laughs> that was her oh comments. And I'm gosh. like blubber. I'm like, he's so beautiful. And you're like, what is this guy used what to having? So he did. He had the long alien cone yeah, with purple gosh, hair. Ethan had a, a bit. wicked cone head. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, though. Like, when I had the epidural, it's just, she kept telling me, push into your bottom, push into your bottom. I'm like, I don't know where my bottom is. Yeah, you're like, it's <laughs> all numb. I, I can't feel I don't know it. What you're I'm laughing. About. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like... I, I this is the most weird experience ever, but yeah, you cannot feel anything. Like, yeah, I, they did a good job on it, and I know some women who have had it, like they'll feel like half of it on their body and not the other half. Oh, see, no, mm. thank you. So I know yeah. epidurals freak me out. Anything yeah, that close scary. to my spinal cord, scary. no, thank you. Well, yeah. Well, you just push the baby out by yourself next time, Andy. No, I will. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan. Well, I, had my, I have. <laughs> I had my births. I had like the most hippy dippy births you can have. Yeah. Like I did this thing called hypno babies, which is like a hypnosis thing where you it's like a pain management thing. Was a doctor hypnosis. standing outside you with like a stopwatch trying to I hypnotize not give, the baby? I did as not it give birth out? at a hospital. No. Demento, no. Come quick. Yeah. I did not give birth at a hospital. Um, and yeah, like I just was in a tub and I had like I invited anybody that wanted to to come and I was like, come watch me give birth. You can come see my baby be. And it'll be great. And so there were like, for sages at least, I think there were like 10 people in the room just wow. because I invited them there. And they were like, sure, why not? Were you serving hot dogs and refreshments? <laughs> we were, I was like, I had a photographer, I had a nice. birth photographer there for both of my births. And like, I'm like laughing and like mm-hmm. hanging out, just easy breezy. And Your mom yeah, slipped her some Dayquil. <laughs> yes, because of the Dayquil. Could be. Yeah. Nyquil. Oh, God. I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I'd never wake up. I used to work for this company called Peak Performers Network in Bloomington. And we were a sales company. We dealt with all of these um, motivational speakers. We'd help book around the United States. And I had about three, four days in a row where I just couldn't fall asleep for more than 10, 15 minutes. And one day I'm sitting there at work and I'm booking, 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 booking. And my managers, they can go listen to the recordings to make sure that you're legitimately doing the sale. Mm. And they're listening. And I'm like... In an average day, you'd set three, maybe four appointments. Yeah. Before lunch, I'm at like 12 appointments. Oh, jeez. So they're like, what is going on here? So they're <laughs> listening, and I'm on fire. And the manager comes over, and he goes, Dave, you're doing great. What's going on? And as he's talking to me, I'm taping my pinky down. I've got scotch tape, and I'm taping my pinky to my hand. And I go, I don't know. We're just doing my deal. And he goes, what are you doing? And I look at my hand, and I go, I have not been sleeping well, but when I fell asleep last night for about 20 minutes, I woke up. Somebody had replaced my pinky with somebody else's. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to tape it down until later and cut it off when I get home. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yep. what? And he, he kind of laughs, and he realizes, oh, you're not kidding. And then he goes, all right, well, you keep making calls. <laughs> so the funny thing is my manager and the president of the company had to have this conversation. Do we stop him? He's yeah. on a tear? Yeah. Or do we send him home? So they, they elect to bring me in the office. And I remember having the conversation. It all made perfect sense to me. And they're like, Dave, you are doing great. Would you talk to the rest of the crew and tell them what you're doing? I'm like, sure. So I go up and I address, and everything is succinct and on point. They're looking at each other. They're like, and then they take me back, and they go, now, why are you taping your finger down? Thinking I must have been joking with Kent. And I'm like, I have not slept well lately, man. And when I did fall asleep for about 20 minutes last night, I woke up, and somebody's replaced my pinky 
with somebody else's and it just feels like it doesn't i'm gonna cut it off when i get home and they're like okay <laughs> okay why don't you go back to your desk we'll be and then they came over and they're like we need your car keys yeah and they drove me home stopped went in and got me nyquil and benadryl Oh my! Yeah. Oh my! <laughs> so they came See, out. I can't take Benadryl. I almost once had a heart attack because of Benadryl. Oh my God! Well, they gave anyway. me two Benadryl okay. and a shot of Nyquil. Brought me into my house, laid me in the bed for a half an hour. They would not leave for fear that yeah, I'd go cut my finger yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until boom, I was out. Oh my God! I didn't wake up for two days. <laughs> I completely that wow. shot and two Benadryl after not sleeping for like three uh, yeah, days. Yeah, your body took was me just out like of the freaking loop. Done. Yeah, but I. I, was, I think it's called alien, alien limb, limb syndrome, yep. And mm-hmm. where you feel like s- somebody has replaced part of you with something that doesn't belong. And I didn't. Yep. There was no name for it except for crazy when it happened to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, crazy. Speaking of crazy, we have a good guest coming up in the next hour, don't we? Little mm-hmm. review of football and uh, mm-hmm. the mirth that was yesterday. Oh God! See, my brain freezes. I had nightmares last night. He is the worst guest name in the history of guest names. I know is how to that say he? it. Yeah, but. In my dreams, I kept fearing that I'm going to call him like Connie Makalopoulos, or oh. I just it oh, flips me, my brain up. Oh, yeah, oh, I know, but it's like yeah. as the host of a show, you don't want to mess up Kostaki Akonimopoulos, well, right? But well, I'm like, and that's his, like Connie nickname. Hippopotamus, <laughs> whatever, right? It's yeah, that's the easy version. The first couple of years of the show, I kept having nightmares about like the board not working for no reason. Or his dad, anytime anything went wrong, he turned into the Hulk. Yeah, it was that was not pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't know what goes on in the heads of, of hosts. You sit there and you sweat out all these stupid things. There are sometimes I will look at a word. I know I know the word, and my mouth will not. Extraordinary. And I'm like, extra or ordinary or extra. What the hell is this word? And you're like, it's extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary. That's like oh my God. me every single time I write anything in a card. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure I'm like, skip did letters. I spell this right? Oh, like I, I Google that. I skip letters words. all the time. I Google words before I write them in a card because I'm like, I know how to spell this word, but I'm like, but I feel like it's wrong. Uh, yes, when you're looking at and like, it, and you're like, like, yeah. it doesn't look right. <laughs> Which, but when I is. write any other time, I don't have that. But yeah. in a card, I'm like, this is meaningful yeah. and it can't be wrong. <laughs> The human brain. What a fascinating thing. If you just take a shot of Dayquil, you'll be able to write very effectively. You're putting yourself in the, what we call the Mozart zone. Yeah. Where you just create in a language that doesn't exist, but you'll write say, very well. It'll be like ancient, something yeah. like a lost Aramaic language. Or something. <laughs> well, I'll be studied. We'll take a break when we come back. Connie Bumbercatch will be on with us. Perfect. And, uh, We'll do that right next on The Family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? 
Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zepp. They ship today. We're back. This is the family. Tom Bernard out. Do we know Andy? Is, is he coming in tomorrow? Is he taking over? Is he taking the full week off from the podcast? Uh, full week off from the podcast, right. I believe. So you're stuck with me for an extra day, Andy. Yeah. I apologize for that. <laughs> But we've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, a little bit later on in the program, John Tebow is going to join us as we talk about totally ridiculous laws still on the books. But right now joining us, one of my absolute favorite comedians, and I'm so happy that I'm able to have him on the show with us. Uh, I've been a guest on his show, his podcast twice, talking about the supernatural, the paranormal. And uh, now we're here to talk about his career and uh, future plans, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Ingvall. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to talk I, uh, with you again. I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a while, but I'm glad we're able to catch up. And you've got, uh, I know we just missed you in Minnesota. I was unfortunately out in uh, another state. I'm still not allowed to mention uh, filming a TV program when you were here. But you're out doing your farewell tour, Bill. You're, you're finally putting down the microphone. This is it for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It got, you know, it got to that point where, you just know, uh, you know, I always said that I wanted to go out on my terms and, uh, you know, I've been so lucky in my career that as I say often, you know, I caught the brass ring and, uh, I just, you know, I, I kind of wrestled with the decision for a while, but like I, said, I, I never wanted to be that we've all been to those shows where you saw the act and you went, eh, they should have stopped about a year ago. And, uh, I, I don't ever want to do that to the fans. So it's, it's time. Well, we had a chance to see you. Uh, you and Larry, the cable guy, were here at, uh, I think it was at Target uh, Target Center, I think, a number right. of years ago. We got to see you guys perform and absolutely loved it. I am fascinated by the ability that you guys have shared during your, your time with the Blue Collar uh, Comedy Tour that you're able to bring such laughter, such joy and heart to a program and I, I honestly, thinking about it, can't think of one swear word I remember coming out of any of your mouths during that that 
time <laughs> and watching all of your comedy specials over and over. That's just not part of your lexicon, which I, I really applaud, Bill, because that has got to be a much tougher job. I mean, obviously, there's a it's a very easy crutch to lean into curse words to get shock value laughs and, and do that. Was there ever a point in your career where that was more a part of who you were? Oh, I'm sure when I first started, I'm sure I was a lot dirtier than I thought I needed to be. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I think a lot of it comes from just uh, not being secure with who you are. And that's not to say that, you know, listen, every comedian's style has got a niche. There's there's people who like the dirty stuff and then there's people who don't. And I found out early on in my career that, you know, I looked at guys like Bob Newhart and Steve Martin mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, they they got through the whole show without swearing. And I thought there's something to that. And uh, I looked at the length of their careers and it's, it's worked out the best for me. And that's, you know, listen, I'm not judging anybody by whether they're dirty or not. I just know from my point of view that I found that if you work clean and relatable, you're going to work a long time. And the 42 years that I've been doing this is kind of an attestant, a testament to that. Do you ever find yourself listening to another comedian and kind of editing yourself going, oh, I could have done that story this way and I wouldn't have needed to lean in on this. I mean, do you, are you ever critical? Not to the point where you go up and say, hey, man, drop the swear words or drop this. But do you watch how you could manipulate those same stories and get, you think, equal laughs without, you know, the naughty bits? Um, yeah, I think probably subconsciously I do. Uh, you know, I don't I don't sit around, like you said, and say, let me tell you the right way to do this. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, but it definitely is... Um, it's something you know, I think about. It's funny because that's that's a comedian's ultimate compliment to another comedian is when you think to yourself, "Oh, I wish I'd have thought of that." But uh, yeah, the, I don't. I don't know. You know, it's uh, you know. I, it was funny. I used to say that the last show I ever do, I'm going to say everything I ever wanted to say on stage. <laughs> and my friend says, "You won't do it." And I said, "You're right. It just wouldn't. It, it, it's like be like putting on a pair of shoes that don't fit." Uh, it just it wouldn't seem right, and, it, and I think the audience would go like, "Wait, what are you doing? Stop that!" You know, uh, and it's it served me well. I, I always try to put the show together in a sense of would I want to sit through ninety minutes of this with my wife sitting next to me, and that's been a good bar for me to to, to use. There's you know, and it, but it's funny in this day and age. People are so the world's changed so much in our outlook and what we get offended by. And, uh, you know, even as clean as I do a show, I've, you know, I've had people say, wow, you didn't have to do that. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what do you want me to do with this? But, uh, it's, it, it overall though, I think you, you're good. If you really want to, if you're thinking about being a comedian and, or you are one or a young comedian and you want a long career, I can just tell you that I know from personal experience that working clean, like I said, and working relatable will will do well for you. It's interesting you bring up how the culture has changed, right? I mean, you go back and and look, uh, even in in the 80s, the heyday when you've got comedians that are are filling stadiums on a regular basis, huge names out there. And what now you watch those, and there's this cringe factor that the humor is still there, the funny bits are still there, and, and it's a window into looking into their lives of what was and what wasn't acceptable at this point. But is that making it harder as oh, a comedian? Yeah. yeah. Do, do you find yeah. your, is that another reason why it's just like, you know what, it, it's just not fun when you've got to self-edit everything that you're about to say or do and wonder how this thing's going to land? 
Exactly. Uh, that was a, it gets to be the point where you're focusing more energy on trying to figure out what's right to, you know, what everybody wants you to say instead of what really feels natural. And, you know, it's funny because I look at other comedians, even like, especially like British comedians, uh, they swear so much. It's not even dirty anymore. It's, right. uh, it's, just, it's just part of the language. Uh, and so I just found that, you know, one of the criteria that I was using to determine whether I was ready to retire or not was, and you kind of touched on it there, but how much is the show still fun? And it used to be that traveling was way down and now and the show was way high. And now this kind of flip-flopped, uh, you know, and that, I think what really pushed me over the edge with this was COVID. Uh, I just, because I, when we couldn't work, I discovered that I wasn't really missing it. And that's when I knew that it was time to, to maybe find a different avenue or a different uh, venue to work. Uh, and, and I don't know what that is yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll show, make itself known to me. But I listen, I got no complaints. I, I you know, there's not many pe- 42 years in any other job. You are retired. You know, right. you're, you're <laughs> uh, and I, I, there's the thing I, I, that I'm most proud of this, uh, of my career is that when, it, when that last show happens, Nobody will come to me and say, oh, you almost made it, you know, uh, because <laughs> I've got to do everything I ever wanted to do. Uh, you know, I really love the podcast world. But as you guys know, uh, that's that's a full time job. You yeah. can't just dabble in podcasts because if you do, that's what it looks like. Um, and uh, you know, my wife and I just turned into tuned in. Our daughter told us of all people about this podcast out there right now called my dad wrote a porn which is just uh filthy <laughs> but it's but it's a it's a genius way to do a podcast and uh it, i don't know if you guys are familiar with it but the, the story behind it is that this guy's dad literally wrote a pornographic novel and what he did was he got hold of it the son did and he and two of his friends one female one male and they read it out he reads it out loud and they just tear it apart because it's the you know the grammar's bad the, the you know that he obviously had the dad has no idea of the female anatomy of things he says and so it becomes very funny but that's what they do that's all they do and that's why you know like like you said i'd like to get into the podcast world i know dave you and i did a couple but the paranormal i'm really fascinated by that uh about what people perceive that they see uh, as far as whether is it really a, 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 a being or is it just uh, somebody wanting something so bad that the brain says, all right, I'll, I'll show you what you want to see, but it is really unreal. Uh, so I don't know what the, what it's going to be, but I, I would really like to, to maybe find a, a real strong vehicle in which to do a podcast. And because uh, I think that's kind of the new medium right now. Uh, it's it's almost kind of taken the place of of book of reading, you know. Right. Uh, and so hopefully, uh, the, maybe there'll be something in that that field that uh, that I can do. And the the other thing is, I'm so been so lucky in in, uh, in my career that it you, you like anything, it's got to be fun for you. I mean, I'm not into this for money anymore. Uh, you know, my wife is taking care of our finances. That that's what's great when you're married to your own business manager. You know, you know exactly where all the money is. Uh, is although I say, all, I say all the money, if she ever leaves me, I'm in big trouble because I, 
I don't know passwords. If you said how much is in your checking account, I go, I don't, I don't even, I didn't even know we had a checking account. You, know? <laughs> you just have the lumps of money underneath the, the mattress, right? That's yeah. I don't know where she's got it hidden, but you know, she gives me my share. And, uh, but yeah, it's, and then, you know, David, the other thing is that, that this is a huge part of the retirement. Needs. My wife has been so great throughout this whole journey. Uh, never once, did she say, why do you got to go? Or, you know, I'm here with the kids and you're gone. I'm sure she thought it, but mm-hmm. she never said it. And that made the journey, the journey so much easier. And so I want to spend some time, more time with her and with the grandbaby and uh, just kind of seeing what normal life is like for a while. I like that you say for a while, there's always that backdoor clause, right? Well, oh, well, right think, now it's I not as fun, but you know, yeah. <laughs> retirement's yeah. subjective. If somebody said, hey, Bill, here's some stupid money. Come to a show. I'd probably say, OK, I'll be there. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's what the thing that's interesting about this job is everybody sees you on stage for 75 to 90 minutes and they think, oh, man, what a great job. You get to travel around the country. You're doing shows in front of people in theaters. And uh, that's, uh, you know, and it, it's great. I go, yeah, but you don't see the 22 and a half hours where you're in a Holiday Inn or Comfort Suites or, you know, and you're just by yourself because, you know, like you generally, generally the way that like this, uh, I've got shows coming up that the weekend, I literally fly in to do a show, fly, do the show, get on the plane, fly to the next gig, sleep all day and do the show. And that, that takes it out of you. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced it takes years off your life. Uh, but it's, it's what, what I did, you know, it was part of being a, a comedian and, that's why, just like podcasts, you can't just dabble into doing stand-up. You've got to really commit to it. And we will mention for listeners, if you go to BillEngvall.com and uh, click on the tour tab, it'll tell you where Bill's going to be. December 2nd, the Villages, Florida. He's going to be at the Sharon L. Morse Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, what do you, you have a, a 5 and an 8 p.m. show there. Uh, December 3rd, he's going to be in Lakeland, Florida at the Yuki Theater. Uh, December 11th in Oroville, California at the Gold Country Casino and Hotel. And then on the 12th, you can find him in Fort Hall, Idaho at the Fort Hall Casino, both a 5 and 8 p.m. show. I'm curious, is there really a difference at these shows from the earlier show to the late show? Is If you had a preference of... Bill, we have two slots. Which one is going to always be the powerhouse? Where would you lean into? Uh, well, if you don't have to do two shows, I would like the eight o'clock shows. Are, but I will tell you this: I'm getting older, mm-hmm. and that earlier show really is enjoyable. Uh, and and I say that just in a sense of with the early show, you you kind of relax more mm-hmm. because you know it's early in the evening. You're not really you know, not that you're not putting your energy into it, but that's the way my stand-up goes, as you saw in the, sh- the shows, is it's very much kind of like we're just sitting around the living room and I'm the funny guy doing the talking. Right. Uh, but I-, I tell you, that was another thing when I knew when it was time for me to, to maybe step aside for a while, uh, is that uh, when I was playing the clubs, I remember when we played Las Vegas, the improv in Las Vegas, and we did 17 shows in six days hmm. and never blinked an eye at it. Now, at 65 years old, they say we're doing two shows. I'm like, oh, what? Two shows? (laughs) 
So, so that's when I knew another. I thought, yeah, it's time for you to step away. Yeah, and it's hard. You know, I found when I started doing Darkness Radio and we were doing Darkness Radio events, when we started it 15 years ago, I could stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning with all the guests after the ghost hunt and talk and make sure everybody got to their room safely, and then I'd be up at 8.30, 9 o'clock the next morning to get everything ready for the next day of events. And, you know, I, after the event was over, I'd come home, I'd need a day, maybe two to recover. Now I do an event like that, and I'm out for a week. It's just yeah. like, holy gosh, where did all... It just pulls that energy from you, and you don't realize how much effort there is in trying to make things look effortless. So that's why I've always appreciated comedians and actors like yourself. You make it seem, like you said, that it's not really... It's not comedy I don't feel in the same kind of rim shot way that most people think of comedians as you are a, a very impressive storyteller and the way you're right. able to weave through an evening you feel like you're sitting there with one of your best friends having a beer listening to the goofy stuff that's gone on in his life and that's I've got to guess that that has got to be a skill into itself to just make it seem effortless well I, I thank you I enjoy that style uh, that and that's why sometimes the later show is not necessarily the best show to see because on the later show, people have had the chance to kind of get into their favorite libation mm-hmm. and uh, they feel like the, that you want them to be part of the show. And I don't, I want, I do in the sense of just being an audience member and sit there. Right. I don't need, I don't need your input. I've done this for 42 years. I got it. You know, uh, the, uh, but it's, uh, it just depends. You know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times, and the other thing is like, you know, when you play a lot of casinos like I do, right. you're just kind of, you're just, you know, like they don't sell the front two rows because they leave it for their high rollers who never show up. Sure. You know, it, it's it's so weird to me. You have this whole concept of if you give somebody a free ticket, they don't respect it as much as if they paid for it. Right. And so I always tell them, they sell the, sell the first two rows. I don't care about high rollers, but, you know, the casinos don't really listen to me. Uh, the... <laughs> Although I did, you know, it was funny. I used to do a joke, and I think, and I stopped doing it because I thought probably the casinos didn't really appreciate it. But I always said, you know, I've never been a big gambler. I've never understood gambling. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I, I work too hard for my money. But I used to say on stage, I go, I go, gambling's weird because if I came up to you on the street and said, hey, give me a hundred dollars, and there's a chance I'll give you ten thousand right back, (laughs) and you'd think I was high, right? But that's what you do in a casino, right? You go, you basically the machine is saying to you, "Give me a hundred bucks, and there's a chance I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars." And we're like, "Yeah, buddy, I'm all in." But if a you, but if you did it, just <laughs> there on the street, they think you were you were crazy. That's what I tell my uh, my dad and son when we go to Vegas for Super Bowl every year. I said, you know, if it's easier, you could just tuck the dollars in my front pocket and pull my arm, and I won't give you anything either. <laughs> At yeah, least you know exactly. the money's going to somebody that wants it. Uh, yeah, that, that aspect has got to be crazy. And I've seen comedians at the, um, you know, in comedy clubs, obviously, and then seeing them at the casino, it's kind of a different vibe to it. And then going into a stadium-like environment, wh- what would you choose as your favorite type of performance uh, location? Uh, without a doubt, the performing arts centers, uh, because it's more of a show. Of like, like, you know, the arenas, when we were doing Blue Collar and we were selling out arenas, that was wonderful. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I remember when we would do the arenas before they would let people in, I would walk onto the center of the stage and I'd look around and I go, this is great, but comedy's intimate. Uh, you know, someone's going to be watching that on a screen. Right. Uh, the, and with comedy, you really need to be able to see and be a part of the vision. 
to be close enough that you get the, the, the facial expressions. And, uh, you know, with arenas, there's the, the, the sound issues of the, the slap back. You know, you got to take your time and that throws off your timing. Uh, and so, but yeah, without a doubt, the, the I, I like the, a lot of comedians don't like outdoor shows. I, I they don't bother me, but, uh, but my favorite is, is when you are in a nice performing arts center. Doing the shows as you've done, and you've had an opportunity to work with some of the Kings of comedy, what really has stood out to you? And I mean, obviously your friendship with Foxworthy and Larry and, and everything is, is pretty high up there, but what comedians have stood out to you? as the most impressive just kind of creative forces when you've been around them? Uh, well, golly, there's a, there's a bunch of other, there's a, a young man named Nate Bargatze who, who I love, uh, and wish I could do my show like his, uh, it's just, he's very funny, but you know, I, I, Kevin Hart, I think is, it does a great job of, of storytelling of what I call storytelling type of humor. Uh, the, uh, I always listen. I go back to the first time I bought Steve Martin's "Let's Get Small." Yeah, uh, that was just such a great album, and that was probably the one that really piqued my interest about. But I didn't think you could do it for a job. I, you know, I just thought it would be something you do, uh, you know, in your part time. Uh, but there's comedy is so wonderful in that sense of creative energy because, you know, when I get emails from people saying, "How do I become a comedian?" I always tell them, "Say." They go, well, I'm funny around the office. I go, well, everybody's funny around the office because right. they know you. I say, go on, to, go to a comedy club mm-hmm. on a midnight show on a Saturday night, and if you can make those people laugh, then you got a shot in this business. Uh, you know, you got to be able to get in front of people because uh, you. Well, man, when I'm, I'm tie this back to what you said, the creative energy is it. My job is to take something that you can relate to. And, and, and make you feel like, you know, like, like I always know I've written a good joke when I see a husband or a wife kind of elbow each other, like, yeah, that's you right there. Right. Uh, and that's, that, 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 that's not easy to do uh, because, you know, I've had, it, it's such a psychological battle uh, when you're on stage. I've had shows where the, there'll be a couple there and the woman's laughing like crazy and the man's sitting there with his arms folded, like, you know, mm. like I'm hitting on his wife or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is because comedy is so personal, right? Uh, you know, you know if, no offense to bands, but if you go hear a band and they play a song you don't like, you know, you think, oh, well, maybe they'll play another one I like. You know, with comedy, if they don't like what you're saying on stage, they don't like you. They don't like the way you live your life. They don't like what you believe. In. Right. <laughs> you know, it's it's a very personal thing, and uh, so it's a it's a constant battle. And that that's going back to the retirement part of this is that when you when that energy, you know starts to fade then it, it becomes a much more difficult job let's uh, we have to take a quick break bill will you stay in for another segment with us yeah if you can answer me one question i can why is it in paranormal shows the ghosts only show up at night i will be happy to explain <laughs> that when we return stay tuned this is the family Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. Listed on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. 
Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. Continuum is here, it's new, and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. There are no pills or surgeries. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole, nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing, and most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation and find out more today. Go to their website, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com, or call or text them at 952 952- Four nine one six five two seven. That's Continuum C O N T I N U U M Continuum Weight Wellbeing dot com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. Until next week, filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. Our guest today, Bill Engvall, and you can check out his website at BillEngvall.com. We'll have a link up for that, and you can download Bill's new comedy special. You can find tour dates, and it looks like you're going to be stretching the tour out into about July 2022 is what I'm seeing on your schedule here. Is that right, Bill? Yeah. Uh, what I, I didn't want to just, as Barney Fife would say, nip it in the bud. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I, so we thought, I, I said, well, I'll do 20 dates in 22 uh, and then that'll be it. So you're just slowly working your way. You, you see that out there. That still seems like a long time. But, man, six yeah. months flies by when you're out there working this stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, like, I've got shows this weekend and next weekend, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> and the, the shows will be great, but, right. it, it, but it's just it, – this is it's funny because when I first announced it and the first show I did after I announced I was going to retire, the show was just off the charts. Amazing. And as I'm standing there after I say goodnight and they're cheering and hollering and whooping. And I remember thinking, am I doing the right thing here? And I thought, <laughs> yes, you you are. You got to, you, you know, just because the shows are really good doesn't mean this change. Because I, I find myself looking at the counter going, I, I'll tell you a great example. When I, when I started doing theaters and arenas and stuff, I'd be packed two days before I had to go because I was so excited. Now it's like thirty minutes before I got to get in the car, drive to the airport. I'm throwing stuff in a bag, and you know, it's just like, 
like, yeah, yeah, it's time. This isn't going to be one of those share things where you keep doing retirement for That's a great question. Uh, the Eagles did it. The, the uh, Rolling Stones have done it. Yeah. Uh, Tom Bernard yeah, did it. I, listen, I never say never, but as far as I know right now, this will be it. Uh, you know, it, it, now listen, we may get a year into this and my wife look at me and say, you got to get back out on the road. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because, highly highly likely. Know, but, but there's things I want to do. Like I said, I want to maybe jump back into the podcast. Like, I also would like to start doing, and this is not to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'd like to start doing some charities, you know, uh, charity work and uh, giving back. Uh, you know, I, it, it amazed me that the United States, one of the most powerful countries in the world, we still have kids who go to school without breakfast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd like to maybe get help out in that area. And the thing that's funny, though, is when you're at this level of celebrity and you contact people like that, they don't understand. I don't want to just be a check writer. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to get my hands dirty. You know, it's like, you know, they're like, well, can you do a show for us? I'm like, I don't That's not what I want to do. I just want to be Bill. And you know, swing a hammer or deliver meals or something like that. I, you know, I, I can write a check. Yeah, that's great. But you know, it, to me, that I'd, I would rather uh, be, you know, boots on the ground kind of thing. Well, that's uh, commendable. But getting out there, you know, doing doing work for people, I think that does inspire others to see. You know, hey, at any level of whatever you are in life, you can pitch in and make a difference and help. Right. But, right. you know, again, Bill, when we've got starving people in America and veterans that are homeless, but we're spending $22 billion to make sure that the ozone around Jupiter is in balance, mm -hmm. I, I question those things. Well, that and <laughs> listen, I know it's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. But do you, do we really need it to spend, I don't know how much money they've spent to just take a rocket and, you know, with the guy from Amazon and Richard Branson is a you know, I think about what that money could have done. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's their money. They earned it. They, I give them all the credit, you know, but uh, I, I, I think that, you know, and would I, listen, would I love to see the earth? You bet. But two things got to happen. One, the price has got to come way down. <laughs> <laughs> and two, there's got to be a way more shots to that. I, I want that. I don't want there to be any. I give William Shatner credit because second time up. No, I'll wait. 90 years oh, old yeah. at that point, are you really giving him credit or is he just thinking, if I'm going out, this is going to be an awesome way to Absolutely. do it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, listen, it, <laughs> he, what was he, is he 90? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's his money. He can do what he wants. And, you know, that's that's why I told Gail, I, my wife, I said, whenever I go, I want you to cremate me and then put me in one of those fire uh, rockets that just explodes in the sky and blue pretty lights come out. The, <laughs> go out, go, yeah. What, a bottle rocket kind of thing. Sure. Well, I don't want really want to breathe in your ash dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking as a Bill Engvall fan, I do. Okay. Get the Bill Engvall. Hey, hey, well, I, I, listen, extra, I, extra admission it, for those it, close up. <laughs> if, if that bottle rocket is big enough to reach that far, then you know you probably don't got much choice. So uh, right. <laughs> I, think, I think what we'll do, we'll send out a, a free email and say, hey, you might want to stay inside tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Turn uh, on your HEPA filter. You got guys outside like me with a rolled up $100 bill snorting the air trying to do yeah. Bill Engvall magic. 
I can feel myself uh, getting funnier. Well, here's the deal, Bill. You want to go up there but don't want to spend that money. Let me work for you, buddy. I will get you booked on Branson flights to the moon so that way you can do comedy the entire ride up there and you're earning I would your be, keep. I would be so scared you wouldn't hear two words out of me. Uh, yeah. So uh, Mr. Ingvall's going to need uh, Tang, fresh Tang, the entire trip. Yeah, oh, and several gosh. vomit bags. Yeah, several. Good God. The... Uh, Coming out of this, I thought it was really interesting. You you were on one of the other podcasts I, I follow and watch, and you said something that really kind of struck me because I'm on the road a lot during the year. Right. And I, I just thought it was funny and poignant at the same time. You're like, yeah. The other reason I thought about retiring is I'm of that age. I don't want to be dead alone in a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Okay, can I tell you that is my biggest fear? Yes. I told my wife that, mm-hmm. is that I don't want to die in a hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, and I, not that we can control where we go on, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be the ghost in a red roof inn, or you know, <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of the red roof inn. I love that Hardy Boys book. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That, that is uh, my dog loves think about the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you've also kind of uh, turned over something new in your life, right? You're you're now an ordained minister. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I have actually, uh, I, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I did it. Uh, we were, um, I wanted to do it just because in case, you know, like friends or family wanted to get married and I could, I would, I could make it legal. Uh, and it was funny is the whole thing stemmed from, uh, the, my appearances on last man standing right. playing uh, Robert Paul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I had done a lot of different, uh, roles and uh, that uh, you know, it, but this one really felt different. It was, uh, it was, it, there was something to it. It had more meat on the bone, if you will. Uh, not that it, we made any earth-shattering, you know, proclamations or all. You know, it was just still a sitcom. But I really got interested. So I went back to college and graduated with a degree in Christian studies. And hmm. uh, I do a little thing on Sunday mornings uh, on Facebook called Sunday Mornings with Bill. And it's just a little 10 minute inspirational thing. It's nothing real preachy. It's just something to kind of start your week with. Come on, we need more preaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I think we need a lot more preaching. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of the preachers are probably is part of the problems we have. True. Uh, the uh, you know, I always said that that was the, the problem with uh, many pastors is they somehow make the transition from preaching about God to preaching as if they're God. And uh, I think that people aren't really into that. You know. Four wall religion is really taking a hit right now. Right, and uh, it and I think it's because they uh, there's the the younger and this sounds weird for me to say this, but the younger you know they're trying to reach out to the younger generation, uh, but you still have the older generation that that wants church the way it used to be. So I don't know what the answer is, uh, and but I I just feel like I feel like a lot of times people just want a message that says, you know, it, it, this is going to be okay. You know, yeah, there, there, there's, there's good things coming. And, uh, and, you know, we're going to have to wait for them and see. See, I'm with you. I, I thought what was interesting, and you, you know, asked me about why are ghosts seen only at night. And being right. involved in the paranormal, everybody's asked, why is there this big boon in paranormal entertainment? And I said it really fell on the heels of 9-11 because we had such a massive tragedy hit our country. And if you remember at the time, churches were overflowing for the first time in decades 
People right. were returning looking for answers. And sadly, many church leaders saw it as a time not of giving answers or helping people through this, but a lot of the sermons turned to tithing. And it became about what you can do for us mm-hmm. as exactly. opposed to what we can do to help you through this time. And, and uh, I think that cost... Uh, and again, I'm not church bashing in any way, shape, or form. I'm Christian and, and believe, but I just I think that the leadership misses some of those points of of importance. And uh, I, you know, I've got to guess if you decide to go full into ministry, my one of my favorite pastors ever was one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and he had a way of delivering these stories so it wasn't dry, stodgy. You weren't looking at your watch and you know, praying for the end of the service, you laughed through most of it and were engaged. And then when he hit you between the eyes with something poignant, it meant a lot more because you weren't just sitting there in this kind of vexed state of 45 minutes to an hour wondering how quickly will the sermon be over. I think that bringing that element of of your personality, man, I think there would be a lot of new converts coming back to the church to listen to somebody that can entertain and enlighten them and educate them all at the same time. Well, I agree. Uh, I, I think that that, like you said, there was we we've been given an opportunity to do this, uh, and so hopefully, uh, I you know that's I guess maybe I, I would like to do that is 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 be able to a good friend of mine who's a retired Episcopalian priest said when he was in the seminary, he said the greatest line he ever heard a professor say to him was, "In your sermons, keep it about ten minutes and keep it about God." <laughs> so, yeah, you know. People don't need a they don't need an hour and a half long and this kind of believe it or not this kind of ties back into comedy. Uh, I have a friend who's who is still in the clubs and he came to me one day and he said, "How do I get into the the theaters?" He goes, "I've got I can do a three hour show." And I go, "They don't want a three hour show, you know. It's at, at seventy five to ninety, you're even on the edge of right there. People just want to have that release and that laugh, and then they want to go about their 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 ways uh, and." I said, to get into the theaters, it's strictly a can you pull somebody out of their house and make them buy a ticket to come see you, a higher price ticket in the theaters? And I said, that's all it is. And I said, and the way you do that is just uh, by by giving them what they want. And I think the same thing happened with religion, like you said, is that it's uh, we, we've been given an opportunity. People just want they want to hold on to something. They want to have. It's funny. I was talking to. A, I had. Uh, I don't know if this was medically induced or whatever, but I've I tore my. I've got a torn meniscus right now. In my uh, and and so I've got some pain relievers. And last night I went to bed and it's just extremely painful. So I took one of the pain pills and all of a sudden I had this dream. I, I, I thought I was awake, but it was just like this whole thing about. We've confused people in religion so much they don't even know what's up anymore. Right. You know, there's there's people who like they, they believe in a God or, they, or whatever they believe. They want to believe in something, but you can't have an agenda with it. If you're if you're in, in the ministry business, you you know, I feel like you it's wrong. Just like in the entertainment. I, I don't like it when entertainers use the stage to to proclaim their their political views. Or I like I, I paid to hear you sing this one song. Just sing it, you know. Uh, and so I think that 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 happens what happened in religion a lot is that. Uh, pastors and preachers started using the the pulpit as a way to uh, to further their agenda. It's it's really weird, isn't it? How people lean into celebrities for input, almost like I don't know how to feel. I wonder what Bill Ingvall believes. 
You know, and that, oh, God. yeah, isn't yeah. that Trust a strange me. deal? You've got to be like, I listen. I have trouble matching my socks in the morning. I'm not the guy you want to take advice from, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and that really, you know, it's like it's funny. Uh, I had a, 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 a example that, that when it, on social media when it came out that I graduated and I was an ordained minister. So this guy, I got an email from on my Facebook that said that it was his uh, one of his relatives had shot his brother when they were young and killed him. And now she wants him to forgive her. And he goes, what should I do? I'm like, oh, man, you are asking the wrong guy. Uh, you know, it, it, but you're right. I don't know. I don't understand the, the, the public's proclivity to to wonder what Taylor Swift thinks about the political situation. You know, it's like if that's where your worries are, you got bigger issues than that. Right. That's right. You know, we've always done prayer and healing requests on Darkness Radio and and have put them up there on our Facebook and, and social media feeds and we get great responses. But then it's, you know, when there was this big battle when Trump was first going into office and there was all this derision and anger, people were posting on our page. like, what did Dave and Tim think about what's going on with the political environment? I'm like, we're two paranormal guys. We talk ghosts, Bigfoot and UFOs. What does it matter what we think? Let's just keep right. the show an escape for you so that for 90 minutes an episode, you don't have to hear about COVID or hear about President Trump or President Biden, or let's just have this moment. But they were like, it's weird that they seek like approval right. from people they, you know, that they like. And again, to me, it was just the weirdest thing. We're, we're paranormal guys. Why do you care which, which side we fall <laughs> down on? And by the way, even if you had the best advice they've ever had in their life, someone's going to get on social media and tell you why you're wrong. Oh yeah, you know it's like and that's one of my you know that's that's another little, uh, element that I've been talking about comedy and and, and retirement and all that. I just the, the social media aspect of it, I'm just so tired of it. You know, it's like I, I always I always laugh. I tell show show my wife when I see one. I could write the most poignant, wonderful post, but if I misspell one word, <laughs> right, the grammar police are all over me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and my thought is, that's what you took away from this? That instead of <laughs> T-H-E-I-R, I put T-H-E-R-E? Right. You know, like, but, and, you know, and I think that in a way, the, the social media platform is like the old West. There's really no laws. And, and I don't like it because, like, somebody can get on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and say, Bill Ingvall's special sucks. But they won't walk up to me on the street and say that. There, you know, there, there's no consequences anymore. That's like the this. scary thing, though, Bill, because what I'm finding is I had that same feeling, right? In the beginning with social media, you could be a bully from behind your computer screen. Oh, yeah. But now people have conditioned themselves that they're taking it beyond that. They don't have problems. There's no decorum. There's no line in the sand in person now. They will say what's on their mind because they're so used to doing it with a text or a, uh, a social media blast that you're right. No repercussions. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing to worry about anymore. What You know, I, I'm allowed to have my feelings. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, so I was approached by this uh, insurance company to uh, do their commercials. And they're basically kind of like a clearinghouse for uh, health policy, insurance health policies. And we did these commercials, and I couldn't believe it. There must have been five or ten people that said, well, I guess Ingvall's career is over. He's, he's hawking uh, insurance ads. <laughs> and it's like, I want to go to these people and say, let me give you, let's give you a hypothetical. Let's say you're a plumber, 
and you're doing your job, but you didn't, you do a really good job at it. Well, all of a sudden this big company, this big, whatever nationwide plumbing supply house says, we want you to do our commercials and we're going to pay you stupid money. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you're going to go, nah, I'm good. Just doing my little toilet fixing right here in, in, in this town of 5,000 people. It, people. It's funny how people don't, I don't know if they don't want to see you succeed, but it's like, when did you become the, the mentor of my career? When, they, when did you become the <laughs> sculptor of how, how I should work my career? Uh, and, and, you know, they do it all. They do it with anybody. They do it with, I mean, you know, look at what happened with Brett Favre and the whole COVID thing. It's like, really? That's who I could I, I care less. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. If you get it, then you don't know why you got it. You know, uh, it's like people put, I'm, you're right, that people, they want to, I don't know if they want to insert themselves in your lives or, uh, or, or what their, 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 their thinking is going to happen. I tell you, one of my favorite stories was on my Twitter account one time. This is a few years back. I got a, a, a guy posted on my Twitter page. that says, hey, man, we're big fans. We love your shows. We were wondering, we've had some rough times, uh, if you could loan us $39,870. And I, I looked at it and I started, because that's a pretty specific amount of money. Right. And... I, and I started laughing. I said, not that he had asked for the money, but I was laughing at the conversation that had to have happened before he tweeted that. <laughs> like, like the, he and his spouse are sitting around the breakfast table and goes, I don't know how we're going to pay these bills. We got $39,000, $870 worth of bills here. We're go, I don't know how we're going to pay this. And someone went, well, why don't we ask Bill Ingvall? <laughs> like, I don't know what people think anymore. Well, I, I, it's, it's a, a weird world we're in when there is GoFundMe's for everything now. Nobody pays for anything on their own. Oh, I, you know, I got a new dog and I need to get it fixed. Here's my GoFundMe. Can everybody chip in? Well, maybe you shouldn't have bought a dog if you don't have money right. to take care of it. You know, and you, you think of these things and, you know, I applaud people that save dogs and rescue dogs and do these things. But again, when it comes down to, you know, individuals making purchases that they can't stay up with, you, you yeah. It's, a, it's right, a weird conversation right. to have, well, and that's you know, and that's where the you know, that's where the humor. You know, it's that's why you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I pick up on and, and try to turn into to some sort of joke uh, because there's the people will do things. I always say humanity never ceases to amaze me. Uh, you know, just when you think you've gotten as low as you can go, they go, no, 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 we can go a little lower. Hang on. Uh, and, you know, I, I just sit back and, and I used to, it used to just drive me crazy. Now I just laugh. But, uh, you know, there's, there, there's so much out there that like, I love the fact that, that uh, I'll tell you a story about during COVID. So it was right at the peak of it when people were hoarding everything, which drives me crazy, which is not a good sign on if something if, if this thing ever gets way out of control, we are so screwed yeah. because, uh, A, people are hoarding toilet paper where there never was any symptom of COVID that said explosive diarrhea. <laughs> All right. So that was that that I don't understand the whole hoarding of toilet paper. Uh, so I was in the market uh, and we were getting something for dinner that night. I was going to cook some steaks or something. And I'm standing there at the meat market counter with this lady next to me and. Uh, we start talking about how people are hoarding stuff. And I said, I just, 
I hate the fact that that people feel like they they, they can't take just what they need. They got to take more than what they need. And half this stuff's going to go bad anyway because they're not going to be able to eat it all. Uh, and the lady says, yeah, I know. It drives me crazy, too. And they called her number, and she went up and ordered 20 pounds of hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> right, but what is her story? We always laughed about it because, you know, we would go to Sam's Club to load up. And my wife and I would be there, and we would have two overflowing carts. And you could see the righteous indignation look in people's eyes as they're looking at you going, you dirty hoarders, you dirty, dirty hoarders. And the one yeah. day we were there, and this woman makes some comment to us. And I go, well, for what it's worth, there's 11 of us under my roof right. during COVID. So I've got a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of butts to wipe. So yeah. this is just this yeah. week's yeah. groceries. Yeah, this is a you normal know? run for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I also love the fact that, you know, remember everybody's having to wear rubber gloves? Yep. And then they throw them on the ground. It's like, well, okay. Well, <laughs> there's, a trash, there's a trash can two feet away. Uh, you know, you, yeah, well, I don't want to get COVID from that. Well, yeah, thanks for throwing the rubber gloves on the ground. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, check out his website, BillEngvall.com. He will be touring until July 2022. There's information up there. You can also download his uh, new comedy special, Just Sell Him for Parts. Uh, you can follow him on Facebook and get his Sunday morning 10-minute sermons and, and have a great time. Bill, it's always great catching up with you. And when you dip your toe back into the world of podcasting, let me know. I'd love to connect with you again. Oh, Dave, you know I will. And by the way, you have not yet answered the question. Oh, here's here's the deal. Why are ghosts only seen at night? Why why do you never see a ghost at lunchtime? You do. People (laughs) people see them all the time. But what we do is at night you you pull away and strip away a lot of the distractions. Like if we're all out walking around in the commons here and a ghost is walking, how are you going to know it's a ghost? There's 35 other people walking in that area at nighttime when it's dark. It's quiet. The dogs aren't barking. Nobody's mowing the lawn or chainsawing a tree. You hear, you experience, you see more things. Uh, for TV, they simply put it in the dark because it's it gives you that claustrophobic, creepy feel. Um, right. You know, but it, certainly if they told me the ghost of Elvis walked into uh, the Dunkin' Donuts on the corner at noon every day, I would be there at noon to watch for the ghost. Uh, that's, you know, that's just part of it. But people see him day and night. That's the cool part. I love when people like in, in um, the Merchant's House Museum in New York, uh, people have gone in to do the tour, and they go up and they talk to the docent on the second floor who tells them the history, and the people will come down and go, God, that guy was so good. And they're like, what guy? The docent upstairs. He told us all about the family. He's dressed in period costume. They're like, uh, there's no docent upstairs. I'm the only employee here today. Hmm. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> yes. The Merchant's House Museum. There's great stories like that all over. Well, Where, you know me. I'm fascinated by that. Right, stuff. yeah. The, uh, the, I. One of these days, and I know you and I have talked about it. I'm gonna, we're gonna hook up, and I'm gonna go because uh, I, I got there's. We ought to do a whole show because I could, I could. I'm, the, I'm the guy. I would be the everyday guy asking you questions like, okay, are there are there paranormal shows out there that you watch? You go, that sucks. That was made up. You know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm friends with every one of those yeah, shows, exactly. so I can't tell you anything. I know, I know. You won't ever give me the. But uh, no, you know, off the air, I can tell, give you some insights into what I think is maybe a little bit more dramatic than it needs to be. But you know, for the most part, I've been on most of those shows, and from everything I've seen, what you see is what you get. So it's, you know, but we're right. we're also putting ourselves in the most haunted locations on the planet. So right, it's, right, it's hard right. to walk away. Well, I got to get me one of those little things that is really loud, and all of a sudden they go, it says, oh, he said the word the. Everybody see that? Oh, that's that's my 18-month-old grandson. I'll send him right over. He's the little thing that makes a lot of noise. Buddy, uh, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, 
tell, please tell Tom. I hope Tom gets feeling better. I, I wasn't aware that he had, he had contracted COVID. Uh, please give him my best and tell him I say get well soon. And, and his advice to you, you, don't don't hug and kiss everybody at one of your shows yeah. because that's uh, yeah, that's kind of gone by the wayside. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, avoid that. Bill, take care of yourself. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you on Monday with the family.